Yellowstone National Park is a breathtaking wonderland of geysers, hot springs, and majestic wildlife. As a park ranger named Jenna, I've spent countless hours patrolling its sprawling landscapes and marveling at its natural beauty. One night, while on my regular patrol, I saw something that left me shaken to my core. I caught sight of a creature unlike any other, with fur as black as the night and eyes that glowed like embers. It was a werewolf. The werewolf was massive, towering over me on two legs with sharp claws that glinted in the moonlight. I froze in terror as it locked eyes with me, a low growl rumbling deep in its chest. Despite my fear, I knew that I had to follow the creature to try and figure out what it was doing in the park. I trailed it through the wilderness, careful to keep my distance as it moved deeper into the forest. But as I tried to get closer, I stumbled and lost my footing, causing the werewolf to hear me and sprint away. I tried to follow, but soon lost sight of it in the darkness. When I reported the sighting to my supervisor, he dismissed it as a figment of my imagination. I was devastated that no one believed me, despite knowing what I had seen. For weeks after the encounter, I felt like I was being watched, like the werewolf was still out there lurking in the shadows. And even though I knew that it was unlikely, I couldn't shake the feeling that I wasn't alone in the wilderness. As the weeks went on, I found myself becoming more and more paranoid. Every rustle in the bushes, every howl in the distance sent shivers down my spine. I couldn't shake the feeling that the werewolf was still out there waiting for its chance to strike. One night, while on patrol, I heard a faint howling in the distance. It was the same howling I had heard on the night of my encounter. I knew that I had to investigate. I followed the howling to a remote section of the park where I found a pack of wolves. But among them, I caught sight of the werewolf once again. This time, I was prepared. I had brought a camera with me to document the creature's existence, and I was able to capture a clear image of it. As I turned to leave, I fell and the camera broke. Wolves heard me, and they started running in my direction. I stand up and run to my truck. Once left, I just sighed and told myself that I'm not paid enough to witness this crap. Five us were camped at this site for two nights over the July 4th weekend in 2004. The second night after everyone had gone to sleep, three of us had experiences that were compared the next day. My personal account. I was having trouble falling asleep or sleeping soundly and could hear members of our small group shift or unzip tents and sleeping bags to get up and use the facilities. After a while, I heard the crunching sound of someone moving just off in the forest to find a spot when I realized I hadn't heard anyone get out of a tent or bivy sack. I froze and listened but heard nothing else and eventually fell asleep. Account of friend in biv sack. Half asleep heard similar sounds to what I heard and saw a large figure beyond our friend's tent, who is not very large, move away from the tent and become quiet in the darkness. Again, no exit or re-entry to tent. Account of one of the people in that tent. Heard me and another friend snoring, so it must have been before or after the sounds I heard, and heard movement around her tent. She felt something pressing against her tent. Don't recall whether she heard it move away from the tent. She is reluctant to discuss it. We put this together after we had left, so no real search for evidence was done. I have debated posting this because I don't know if it's classified as paranormal or just a weird event. 
This event happened around November 2022, and it was 8 p.m. I was by myself at the entrance area of the school. My dad and I go to evening or night school. I'm studying computer science, and my dad studies mechanical engineering. At that time, I had the three first periods free because my teacher was sick, and I was hanging out at my dad's class when I saw that the break was coming up after it. I had class, and because of the distance, I decided to cross the campus so I won't be late to class. The break was ten minutes, and it took eight minutes to cross the campus at a normal pace, but due to my osteoarthritis, sometimes my legs are heavy and my walking is slow— that day was a day that my legs were heavy and my osteoarthritis was flaring up and my pace was very slow. So, at 8 p.m., I was waiting for the bell to ring signaling the first break, and I was sipping my hot chocolate from my thermos after having gone to the school cafeteria to get some ice cubes to put in because it was too hot. I was about to start scrolling through my phone since I was by myself and I felt very on edge. I was coming down from a week-long anxiety attack I'm thinking it was because of that I felt on edge. To my left, there's this entrance door that leads to the second school on campus, my old high school, and where I was about a few minutes ago since my dad's class is located in the basement of that building. Outside that building, there is a lamp post, and I turned to see it. A second after my eyes set on it, I noticed it was flickering. I thought nothing of it, thinking that it must be bugs flying around it, or because of what is happening with the energy crisis. Our town is lowering the voltages, causing that flickering, as they did during C-19 lockdowns. Hence, why I don't think it's paranormal, but what makes me post this here is how the flickering and the black that appeared in between it started becoming bigger and bigger every time. Three times flickered, and the third time the black spot was very big. Then there was an oomph sound from everywhere and nowhere at the same time before almost the entire campus was dived into darkness. Everything was dark except the classes. I could see the lights from the space under the door. The darkness lasted for maybe two or three minutes. I jumped up and walked as fast as my legs would allow to the cafeteria to ask the lady behind the counter and the cleaner that was with her chatting if they were okay. To get to them from where I was... It would take me a minute tops, but when I entered the cafeteria, the lights came back on, and when I asked, they said there was no power outage. Confused, I walked back to the bench I was sitting at, and everything was normal. The bell went off and a break ensued. But in the minutes of darkness, it was completely silent, and I felt dread and on edge, even a bit of fear. I'm used to power outages from living on an island growing up that had many times run out of power throughout the winter. So I always carry a flashlight with me, and I make sure my phones always have flashlights. What was that darkness? Why was I the only one to live through it? I asked my dad, and he said there was no power outage. Same answers from fellow classmates and my mom when I asked them. Any theories? My girlfriend, her father, and I were parked on the bank of the Chattahoochee River. My girlfriend's father was sitting on the hood of the car with his fishing pole in front of him. He was night catfishing. While we sat there, with the car lights shining across the river, my girlfriend and I were sitting in the front seat, just making small talk. Honest, when all of a sudden, I heard the most horribly incredible scream coming from my right side. To set the scene, our car was parked about two feet from the water on the bank. Off to my right, about sixty feet, was where the foliage began. Very swampy, very thick, and very hard to walk through. About 40 feet further up the bank, 
which can't be seen from our car because of the foliage, is a huge oak tree. I'd have to guess that the tree had about a 15-foot circumference. Massive. About 10 feet up the tree is a huge branch that went about 20 feet out over the river. My friends and I would climb the tree and jump or dive into the river at least once every couple of weeks or so. During one occasion, there were about nine of us standing on this branch attempting to make it move. We barely made it do anything, let alone shake. Anyway, back to the car. As I heard the scream, my body instantly went into what I think was shock. As I turned to my right, slowly, with all my hair standing straight up, we heard the next sound. A choo-choo. My feeble attempt to describe the sound of that huge branch I mentioned earlier that was shaking due to something gigantic jumping off it into the water. The splash that came next was equally as horrific. All we did was just sit there in shock, waiting, I don't know why, staring at this point straight ahead at the water. My guess is that we were waiting for the thing to float into our headlights. We waited and waited and waited, and then all of a sudden, an object, black, long, I would guess at least nine, ten feet, floated into our headlights and stopped. Please keep in mind that this action was deliberate because it was floating downstream. We stared at it forever, it seemed, until it opened its eyes, two huge balls of red reflecting off the headlights of our car, I imagine, light and looked at us. My girlfriend's father at this point put the car into reverse, and we sped off, extremely terrified. 1982. My second encounter, April... My girlfriend and I were driving back from our senior prom, Georgia, Chattahoochee River border area. Our high school was 37 miles downriver way, out in the boondocks. Anyway, as we were driving back home, we came to a flat two-mile section of road that had a slippery when wet sign, because we were tired, sober, with road hypnosis. The sign reflection caught our attention, she told me after. As we came closer to the sign, something moved or reflected as we came closer, getting our attention. About 100 feet away, with our car lights fully shining on the it, we saw this massive black creature leaning on the sign. The top of the sign, I guessed, to be about 10 feet. Whatever this creature was, all we could see was the top of the chest and down, about ten feet of the creature, we couldn't see the head. It just stood there. We could see the massive muscles. Most in rippling detail, shiny, black fur, standing with intelligence, if you can understand that term, etc. We sped up all the while, screaming at each other, scared to death. A mile down the road, my left rear tire blew out. I drove seven miles to the first house with a light and called my father to come out and help us. While at this home, we talked with a few of the people that were there. They were having a party. We were told a couple of stories about a missing hunter, animals found gutted or with their head missing. A lot of strange screams in the night, etc. First, I must say beyond a shadow of any doubt that this was no hoax. The costume alone would have cost thousands and thousands of dollars to create. Second... The people that live in the area are extremely poor. As a matter of fact, the home that we drove up to after our tire blew had light seeping through the cracks in the siding of the house, while it sat on cinder blocks, very poor people. We 
While I was cutting cross-country from Maxwell Buck Trail to some reprod above my camp, I found two impressions and a dung pile unlike any I've seen before. The prints were about a one-fourth mile apart but on the same ridge and identical in size, both having a prominent big-toe impression. The dung pile was 12-14 inches in length and big around as a 50-cent piece. I also had a visitor outside my tent at 4 a.m. on last night. I was awake and drinking coffee in dimly lit tent. I keep gas lantern down low to cut down noise and listen for bugling elk, so I should have heard any animal approach tent, but I heard nothing until a sliding, scaping sound followed up with a loud thud, like a person sliding of a log or a stump, just a few feet outside tent. I listened for Critter to leave, but I heard no sound. It concerned me that nothing ran away, so I grabbed axe and went outside and yelled, but still no movement. It was big. The thud it made was louder than I could make stomping on the ground. I forgot to mention that right before sound I heard a low growl that made me look down at my stomach and wonder. Why I didn't feel my stomach growling, it was low and long and I thought it was me at first. I've always wondered what exactly it was that I saw. Some may call it ball lightning but I think that classification really takes away from the phenomenon at hand. This thing knew what it was doing. One late summer night, I think this was back in 2001, my friend was staying the night at my house, and we went out for a walk. He was 14, and I was 16. At the time, I lived on the family farm in rural southern Maryland. There was a large, relatively circular path that circumscribed the westernmost parcel of land that connected the four homes on the property. Most of the path was laden with large gravel rocks, but the northern quadrant of this path was an old, paved driveway that ran from my mobile home, past the barn, and to the rural country road that marked the western edge of the farm. The path from my home to the road was about 500 feet, I'm guessing. I'm sure that's all very confusing, but I'm just trying to paint a picture. I'll post a link to some aerial photos below to illustrate what I'm describing. Anyway, back then... I'd usually walk our beagles around the farm at night, at my mother's request, so I had no fears of wandering around at night. When my friend came over, it was fun to break up our red faction kill stakes with strolls around the farm. It was very dark out in the country, and with all of the open space, the night sky was a canopy of stars. Couple that with the warm summer air and nighttime excursions were irresistible. Again, anyway, we headed out. My terrier... Mitzi followed along with us. She was always at my heels and didn't need a leash like the beagles did. My friend and I started walking along the paved driveway and had intended to complete the circular path in a counterclockwise direction. We made it nearly to the road, just passing my great-uncle's. He owned the farm, house on our right, with my great-aunt's house to our left. The path shot off to the left along my aunt's dirt driveway and would have connected to the gravel path further along but something caught my eye. Another one of my great-aunts lived across the country road, directly adjacent from my uncle's house. The photos will help, but her house wasn't on farm property, though there was an open field on her side of the road. Behind her house was a wall of trees and the deep woods beyond. The woods were everywhere out there, but my farm was mostly open land. Back too, something caught my eye. What I saw was a light coming out from the woods behind my aunt's house. 
The road was quiet. Everything was quiet. I watched this light come closer, and I don't know why the first thing I thought it could be was a white rabbit, but I was trying to make sense of something that was about to get stranger. As the light crossed the road and approached closer, I could see that it was a floating ball of light about the size of a basketball floating about three feet off the ground. I'm not sure when I nudged my friend to get his attention, but we were both watching as the light avoided and maneuvered around the few tall pine trees my uncle had in his front yard. One thing I noticed about the light was that it was bright and white, but it didn't seem to cast any light on its surroundings. I don't remember if one of us moved or said something, but the light noticed us and stopped. It sat still for a few seconds, and so did we. We just watched it, and we were about thirty feet from it. Eventually, my dog noticed it too, as she was sniffing around somewhere else up until then. She started yapping and ran right at the sphere of light. At that point, the light sped off very fast, back in the direction it had come from, right back into the woods with my dog trailing behind. Mitzi was a fast dog, but she couldn't keep up. We watched her follow it into the woods, though. My friend and I just looked at each other, probably said a few expletives, and ran back to my house and into my room. My dog lost her quarry as she was back on our heels by the time we reached my yard. The experience was more bewildering than scary, but the adrenaline rush of seeing something like that had us wired, and I kinda wanted to be scared, so we were just staring out my window, which faced the end of the driveway for the rest of the night. I'm still not sure what it was, but that ball of light exhibited an intelligence, an active awareness of its surroundings, and perhaps fear which prompted it to flee. Hey all, I've worked overnight at a nursing home for about three years now. During my time here, we've probably had 60-plus people pass. I've noticed that sometimes when certain strong-willed people pass, there is some sort of electrical disturbance that happens. I used to think it was just a coincidence, but it has happened like eight-plus times since I've been working overnight. It can last up to two weeks after someone passes. Some examples, one lady passed at around 9 p.m. There is a door that leads outside two doors down from her room. The door is always locked and requires a number combo to unlock. The door's silent alarm tripped at 11.30 p.m. The door alarms only go off if someone opens it. After ten, it's just overnight crew and we stick together. We checked it out and there was no one there. It happened two more times a few days apart. A man passed near the front of the building. The silent alarm for the front door went off every night at around 2 a.m. It happened for about a week and then it stopped. One lady passed at twelve. We were watching TV and all of a sudden it felt like a shockwave passed through the building. The lights in the TV area flickered off and on for a quick second. The TV turned off and turned back on. I joked that maybe that lady had passed. We checked on her and she had just passed. Her body was still warm. Her neighbor's TV had also turned on and was on a static channel. Each room has a button on the wall that sends an alarm to the caregivers. We have had those go off multiple times in rooms where people have recently passed. Always freaks us out when it happens. To this day, I haven't seen anything but too many electrical disturbances happen close to someone's passing, for it to be a coincidence. Has anyone else experienced any stuff like this? I had noted on my limestone, Alabama Spring, 1978, sighting report, 
that I would eventually submit other sightings that involved myself, others I know or did know, or had learned from talking with others. I did not know it would be this long to submit them, but I have since married, had a child, lived in three different locations, had five different jobs among other things since I last submitted that limestone, Alabama sighting. This sighting below involved myself and two friends, it unexpectedly and without intent being my second. The event I relate here happened to me and two friends in April of 1994, while I was attending Troy State University, Troy. I was undertaking graduate studies at the time. I lived in a campus dorm and had become friends with several people in the dorm and about campus. One of these friends stayed in a room a few doors down. He dated a young woman that stayed in the international house across campus. I had been studying on that particular night I write of and had become bored with it. My friend knocked on the door and came in. I, for the most part, had an open-door policy. The door may be open, but knock before you enter so I'll know you are there. As Kevin and I talked, we agreed to go pick up his girlfriend, Donna, and go to Lookout Mountain. I had been out to the place once before during the day about a month earlier, so I offered to drive. We left campus around 11 p.m. or so. We headed up Highway, 231 North. About eight miles from the campus, we turned west or northwest left onto company. Road. Seventeen, as we got closer to the so-called Lookout Mountain, we noticed fewer and fewer houses. After about fifteen minutes of driving, we had found it and proceeded to park just off the road. We got out of my vehicle and then walked up to the top of this large hill. The hill is about one hundred feet high, from what I remember. It is supposedly the highest point in Pike County. The place seemed to be a well-known and well-used spot with open areas about the path to the top, besides one could see for several miles to the west, south and east from atop this hill. I recall seeing the rotating beacon that night at the Troy Airport, several miles to the south. I knew we were not the first people to walk to the top and hang out, nor were we going to be the last. Everything seemed cool. After about fifteen to twenty minutes, we three decided to head downhill toward the car and find something else to get into. I think we had decided we were going to go to Subway for a late-night snack. Now, here is where it got weird. Just after we started downhill, I began getting a funny feeling, and the hairs started to rise on the back of my neck, like something was there and we were being watched. Seeing how we were out at night in the country, plus having a lady with us, Kevin and I had decided not to be foolish. We had both brought along weapons. I had a Colt .38 stuffed in the back of my pants in its holster, and a few extra rounds in my pocket, plus a good sharp replica Samurai's ward. Yes, a sword. My friend had a Glock 9mm and an extra magazine of rounds. My friend was in the National Guard at the time. I pulled out the .38 before we got even midway downhill. I had looked over to where Kevin and Donna were to my right. He had already taken out his 9mm, so I knew he also sensed something by then as well. It was also about this time that we started hearing rather heavy footsteps. As we moved along, I Nazied. The steps were on both sides of us. By the time we had arrived midway downhill, we were aware that there were five, maybe six, somebodies or somethings out not far from us. I recall that there were two, and I'm pretty sure a third distinct grouping of footfalls to my left and two off to my right. Kevin was closest to the ones on my right, so I'm sure he had heard them much better. Also, by this time, our Donna had become almost hysterical. 
I'm sure her few screams did not help matters much. Kevin said that it might be some other people messing with us like frat boys. We stopped briefly. He shouted a few warnings that whomever was there had better leave us alone or speak up. He was ready to open fire. No answers. Nothing. I remained quiet, listening. Now, any person in their right mind, perhaps even in a drunken state of mind, would have said something in order to keep from being shot at, I would think. Yet, there were no answers, no response of any sort. Just slants. We then continued to move downhill toward my vehicle, but whatever they were kept back a bit, and out of our sight, and also to our sides, yet they kept moving down along with us, not trying to hide their footfalls. As we approached the bottom of the hill, we ran for it, got into the my car as fast as we could, cranked it up quickly, backed up and took off back the way we had came. I'm not sure if whatever they were moved out into the dirt road behind us or not as we drove off. I looked back, but it was really too dark to tell. Aside from that, the road was narrow and had trees along each side of it, and I was being as careful as I possibly could so as not to run off this road. I don't recommend under such circumstances trying to drive out of such a place and look back at the same time. It took several minutes after we got back onto Highway 230, one for Donna to calm down. I was shaken up, but not too bad. I suppose the driving had something to do with it. I'm not sure how Kevin felt. I assume that his military training had taken over for a time back on that hill. We never saw what they were, except for the footsteps. They were otherwise quiet. At first, I was not sure what they may have been. However, after considering the strange activities, I felt they could very well have been Bigfoots. I still feel that is what they were, though I can never be 100% sure. Even so, what they did while we were on Lookout Mountain would seem much like reported and researched Bigfoot behavior. After a few months and leaving grad school, I eventually lost contact with those two friends. I've not been back to Lookout Mountain since, even though I have traveled up and down that part of 231, near there many times. I'm sure with a little driving about those dirt roads off Company Road 17, I can find that hill again. I'm just not too sure I'd want to find it once again at night.